field, people will come. And it doesn't happen. You have to look at how you're doing business. Welcome to White Sox Business, a podcast about Chicago's Southside baseball team, hosted by me, John Greenberg, and our White Sox road warrior, the man of Ohio, James Fegan. Subscribe to White Sox Business on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, check out James's and my work on The Athletic as well. We're offering a special $1 monthly promotion, and you can find it at theathletic.com forward slash Southside. James, we sent you to Ohio in the middle of a still raging pandemic to see the White Sox clinch a division title. Um, I haven't paid much attention. How's that going? Uh, they could still do it, but Possible. they they've ta- they've taken a they've taken a route more circuitous uh, than driving to Cincinnati before coming to Cleveland first um, to get it. Like <laughs> they still technically control their own destiny. They've just uh, you know destroyed everyone's confidence in them to do anything. Yeah, right. It's uh, the good vibe. I mean, the saw it was a it was quite the good ship lollipop uh, for the White Sox fans for a while. I mean, they everything's you know everything's a Jason Benetti home run call with with them for a while, and now it's kind of back to the old White Sox fans, kind of getting uh, it's a little bit of a nostalgia trip with everyone getting angry all the time, um, people yelling at Ricky. Uh, Lawrence Holmes does these, uh, ripoffs of cat Dave Kaplan's recaps on Twitter. Um, and yesterday he just held up the signs for his sponsors and threw his hat at the camera. (laughs) (laughs) I thought that was a little dramatic, but you know, it kind of brought me back a little bit. Yeah. I mean, I don't know if the yelling at Ricky ever fully went away. Um, it was, it it wasn't a top priority though. It was lying in like you know a, a, a ready crouch for whenever uh, you know, the moment came. Um, I guess things are old school in the terms of uh, you know spending the half my live Q and A yelling about lineup uh, protection. That was great. Always good to see the the impact of the post game show bleeding into the discourse uncontrollably. Um, yeah, mostly What's I think they're been- just kind of banged up and um, right. They they probably win the last two nights if they have a healthy Aaron Bummer is my like you know hot take what's um what's it been like I mean it was you've watched five games right the last five on the road yes and they've they're one and four in those five games the one uh, was uh you know just dingers all over and happy good times though oh that's right yeah it's been so long I forgot what's it been like for you what's the experience been like watching these games because you were joking on Twitter in Cincinnati, that for a while you're the only person in that auxiliary box they made in the outfield um, to keep you from uh, spreading your your the virus to anyone. Right. They have they have me go sit outside in Cincinnati, so I'm just like hooded up the entire time. Um, but Cleveland's kind of a polar opposite in the approach, where they stick me in the middle of the regular press box, and it's like probably. I mean, I've only been to four ballparks uh, this year. Um, but it's probably like the worst ventilated one. So the fact that they, <laughs> they put us in there is um, a choice, um, as is uh, seemingly whether or not everyone has to wear masks in there. Um, it's great. Yeah, you, you said that. There's someone not wearing a mask in there? Yes. So how is that, oh, how is that okay? They just take it off while they're sitting at their desk. They don't necessarily move around with it off. 
I guess but. it's kind of the same mentality people have about like, why is it okay when people go out to eat for them to sit? You know what I mean? It's like they're sitting there. It's like, all right, just contain, you know, like still when you're eating out, it's still kind of, I guess like, it's a weird dissonance. Theoretically, we are told to eat at our seats in the press right. box. And obviously you're going to take off your mask for that. Um, and maybe if it was like the White Sox, where if everyone's sitting up on the front row and like when those windows are open, it's just like very open air. Um, it would seem less kind of crazy, but you know, the Cleveland, like the windows kind of cut off pretty low. Um, so it's, it's not as much as that, like open circulation feeling. And then instead of just while we're eating, you know, there's people who just do it the whole game, <laughs> but anyway, I'm sure I'll be fine. Yeah. I, I, you're young and healthy. This never, it's never uh tax anyone young and healthy. I'm like a, it's all scary. Yuan Moncada of the beat. <laughs> exactly right just a picture of health yeah. um it's what would be your takeaway though i mean you said it's they're banged up right and they would have won these two games but but watching a team lose back-to-back back-to-back walk-offs right i'm not crazy i didn't imagine that right that i mean they showed like they sh- you know it's so tough for us because we're not getting you know what we used to get which was like going into a quiet clubhouse or a loud clubhouse and reading body language and stuff like that. You're just, but the, I will say the NBC sports Chicago video did catch the players after yesterday's game and they looked legitimately bummed out. Like, I don't think I've seen that much this season um, of them. Just like, like Jose Abreu sitting and staring into space. Eloy, Eloy Menez just looking beat up. Uh, what, what was it like to kind of, I guess, from your high vantage point to see them react to it. Yeah. Uh, I, I had a fan like, or asked like if Cleveland's uh, like crowd noise was particularly loudly piped in. And I said like, no, this is probably the quietest it's been, or at least in terms of, I feel like I can hear and see a ton of the dugout with mm-hmm. the way the Cleveland press box is positioned. And it's a lot of, you know, slammed helmets back to the dugout. It's a lot of like throwing stuff into the bat rack. It's a lot of, um, um, you know, seeing the last two nights of Abreu and like Amena's staying for minutes afterwards and just staring out onto the field. Um, you heard like after the sixth inning, um, last night, Lucas Shilio just like screaming with anger after the sack fly that put Cleveland ahead because he really thought he was going to be able to strike out Framil Reyes and um, kind of s- keep the tie going, even though he was like at a hundred and uh, 9,000 pitches um, at that point. But uh, which was funny. Cause I asked Lucas about it post game and he was kind of like, what? And he was like, Oh, that was just in the moment. I'm fine. <laughs> but you, you kind of saw just kind of how, how hard they were, um, how much they really felt like they needed a breakthrough. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and how on edge they are a little bit in terms of trying to stem this, um, cascade failure that's going on. Um, you, you definitely got the feel that this was, these were intense games that they really felt like they needed. And, you know, that you also heard everything they yelled at, uh, Angel Hernandez the other night, which, um, I would never be of the mind that Angel Hernandez was in the right and Rick Renneria kind of had a broke breakdown of um, why he just thinks that in tight, tense games of playoff uh, implications that you kind of just need to let 
the players vent and kind of move on with it. But uh, it's not like I was at a loss for what words triggered him to toss anybody out of the game um, or, you know, how, how Ricky reacted after. I mean, basically, he tossed Tim Anderson and um, I, I initially thought he had tossed Dyson because Dyson was a guy on the top step. But Tim Anderson was the one yelling from the dugout. Uh, but the way Rick Renneria reacted was just like yelling like after after Tim got toss that you could really just hear ricky go like oh fuck (laughs) (laughs) realizing what had happened um and it's as me as a baseball observer who wants to like and you know especially when watching on tv everything seems a little um sterile to to see just how how much of a struggle it was um you know i appreciate it um probably more so than i can appreciate any wins or losses now that all emotion has been stripped out of me you know when we sent you to Ohio for this trip, because you you know you haven't made a ton of trips, because it's obviously not really totally worth the time and effort to to sit somewhere else. But you know, I kind of wanted you to get the vibe of like a playoff team getting ready, right? You know, this the good vibes. I felt it would help really with your writing later on. You know, maybe you just kind of some of those things that you know you can fake it, but it's like when you see it happen in person, it just makes you a better writer. But instead, I feel like you're getting a preview of the disappointment to come. Am I being too cynical? Um, I mean, I th- would think that watching them kind of grind and fail is, uh, you know, informative in the same way. But um, yeah, I, I mean, most teams. I mean, my favorite thing as a writer, or something I said since I've become a miserable crank, where I. Um, have my grievances with every team is that the greatest thing the, the only the only fallback about the the only downside of the playoffs is I don't get to watch every team get their season ruined at the end one gets away but I enjoy kind of <laughs> all the illusions of the, every fan base getting broken uh, progressively over the course of the playoffs so <laughs> <laughs> it is kind of fun maybe the real postseason is the friends we made along the way James it's true for me about that Probably not for fans who actually still have joy and, and mirth in their hearts. <laughs> it's, I, yeah, I'm really interested to see what happens today. And then, and then we got Cubs, Cubs, Sox coming up. I mean, can can these three teams? Neither of these teams can win right now. Can they tie? We have three ties. I, I mean, I don't know when the last time. I mean, the White Sox offense really hasn't exploded in eight games, really since. Maybe even like basically the entire twin series, like part of the the and I wrote about it part of like the why they were so fired up um, when they hit the go ahead when Illoy had that go ahead double to clinch the game against um, the twins was that the offense has been sputtering up to that point Um, for a few games. You could kind of see that everything was a struggle for them. And instead of being a breakthrough, that was just kind of like that was basically their one moment. They've, They've been extremely cold and. You know, something when I was researching the uh, the L.A. Menas, like Luis Robert home run article was talking to scouts are saying like they have um, they have a kind of aggressive approach to both of them. And really, they're kind of replicated across the offense that is really going to make them um, predisposed to extreme hot and cold streaks. And they're really talented and they're when they're on, they're going to be like absolutely dominant. But. It's and we certainly seen stretches of the White Sox have kind of had everybody hot at the same time, but 
Um, now we're kind of seeing the opposite. Um, at, at, at an excellent point for everybody to start creating. James, let's pause for a moment, and then we'll be back with the rest of the show. Hey, listeners, producer Cam here. Stop me if you've heard this before, but it's time to take your erectile dysfunction seriously. Well, if you haven't heard it before, maybe it's time you take those words to heart and stop saying things like, I had a long day at work. Sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about it. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you get a free evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you for free with two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Go to GetRoman.com slash socks. Again, GetRoman.com slash socks. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, and now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Again, go to GetRoman.com slash socks, all one word, S-O-X, today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. That's GetRoman.com slash socks. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. What do you think? I don't know. It's we, we end up coming up with these narratives like, oh, the manager should have got everyone together. Or, you know, what are the players? What are the players talking about themselves? Didn't Abreu say before yesterday's game we were going to see like a new intense White Sox team? Yes, uh, he, he he said something of that sort. He he's, he acknowledged maybe that there's some relaxation. Because uh, it's funny because when they clinched the playoff spot, um, they said like we're not really celebrating until we win the division. They they said all the right things about just treating it like a, a normal thing. They didn't celebrate on the field like like oh my god we did it all our goals are completed for the entire season or anything like that. Um, but I think it's also natural that you know they had beaten their uh, primary competition for the division. They had given themselves a commanding lead and they had clinched the playoff spot. Like how could they not feel a little bit like the the main burden was off? Um, but he, he said like that we're focused and whatnot and, um, that you're going to see a different team, but it's not like, it's not like the game was like an unfocused team, just not playing hard. It wasn't like the game in Detroit where they need to get lecture about professional at bats. Um, they're just getting beaten and they're just not like Luis Robert is not, not trying hard enough. He's just not, um, in sync. Uh, it's not something he can just will himself out of um, because I think he would have done it sooner if, if that were the case. Like what's going on? Like Edwin Encarnacion could not just focus his way out of the effects of aging. And uh, <laughs> that's <laughs> what I'm Mon- trying to do. Yohan <laughs> Mankata, you know, everyone knows what Yohan Mankata is dealing with. They also don't know what he's dealing with, but at the same time, but um, like they kind of did, like they had a goal to, basically get Shane Bieber out by like five innings. Like they knew it was going to be extremely hard to hit him. They knew they wouldn't get much on him. They just like, we have to take a lot of 
he's going to try to bounce that curveball out of the zone and we have to take a lot of them. We have, really have to like run at the count up and they did it like they knew they might not score on him, but they got him out after five innings. They kind of executed their plan, but it still just didn't trigger them out of the goal. This just seems like a horrific matchup for them to uh, wind up in to play Cleveland. So um, well, maybe their success right. is getting themselves out of it. Right, right. Well, here's the thing. Right now I'm looking at the matchups updated and they would be playing the Yankees, hosting the Yankees in the first round. How Be- think better than Cleveland at this point. Right. <laughs> at least we just – that would be a really entertaining series, right? Yeah. Um, also, because – like if you're going to face the Yankees at some point, and given the fact that they seem to be – I mean, other than the fact they got beaten 14-1 to last night, would be a team that should be around later on, you're probably better to play them in a three-game series than a five- or seven-game series. So yeah, That's good logic. I like that. And listen, for all the nerds that talk about TV ratings all the times, all the time, there would be a good TV ratings matchup. How about that? A win for, uh, what do they go on, TBS or Fox? Uh, I want to say TBS, but I know one of the games yeah, no, against it is. the Cubs we, this weekend is CBS. Right. It's TBS because I talked to Perzinski the other day for a story, and he's doing the NLDS for Fox. So okay. that must be how it's how it's set up. So, hey, good ratings. That's what's important, right? No, probably not. That's, that's, that's but, the only measure in life. The only measure. <laughs> I saw, I got like an email from the sports business website, Sportico, that started up. And one of their headlines the other day was like, college football ratings are cratering. I'm like, well, yeah, because every game's Arkansas State versus like, <laughs> no one's playing yet. Like, yeah, I wonder why a lot of people aren't, aren't uh, tuned into Arkansas State versus Middle Tennessee State on a, on a Saturday. Yeah, I've, I think I've texted Tom, like, have you watched a close college football game this year <laughs> at some point? Right. I guess that's heating up, though. I think it's start. I think the big games start this week, like the SEC. I'm sure half of them have been postponed by now. Right. I mean, like, there's, yeah, no one talking. All the people that were cheering for, like, uh, college football coming back. I don't see them tweeting a lot about all these games that are getting postponed all over the country. Like, teams yeah. that have had, like, four games postponed already. Yeah, I don't think Houston is... Uh, it's kind of a, a Sisyphean challenge for Houston to play a game. Although, I mean, look, the Cardinals have ended up playing and the Marlins. That's what's kind of funny. Everyone was acting like the Cardinals and the Marlins were going to just like fold up shop and the fifth and sixth seeds in the play in the, in the NL playoffs. I mean, the the Marlins are not a good team. No, it <laughs> does the, not say well for much for the playoff picture. The Cardinals are nowhere near as good as a. Uh, I thought they would be this season, and I have to imagine this is a little bit of an effect of that. But yeah, I, I guess yeah, th- those bottom of the seed uh, NL teams are, are rough it's, looking. <laughs> I know if you don't, and if you don't know right now, I'll tell you what they are. Fifth seed is the Cardinals. Sixth Marlins. Seventh is the Giants. Who thought the Giants would be in the playoffs this year? Not the Giants. No. And the eighth is the Reds. And the Reds actually, I put a long when I, we talked last week about my. White Sox bet. I put a long shot bet on the Reds to win the NL just for fun. They Did certainly had the sound- pitching to kind of like right. grit their way through. Like a, right. It sounded like a one where – and they had like a few decent hitters. You know, I figured maybe they pick someone up. This was in March before everything got canceled. I thought they were going to be playing a full, you know, 162-game schedule. I thought they could they could sneak in a week in a pretty weak NL Central, which has proven to be very weak. Very the Cubs are tr- the Cubs are playing like absolute trash and they're in first place comfortably. Yeah, comfortably. Like right, it's like every day it feels like the Cubs like the like how is this team not going to get broken up 
And they're like, wait a sec, they're comfortably in first place. It's like, oh, this like, team is just at the end of the run. They're dead in the water. Oh, four games up? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this, I don't know. I, like I said, I was talking to some old, um, I was talking to some, for a story I'm working on, some, some uh, retired White Sox players. And I talked to Canerico yesterday. And he basically said, like, he's such a traditionalist. He feels like this, he's like the 162 game schedule to me is like the, that's like the most important part of the game because it's about winning over six months. And that's, that's what a baseball season is. So he basically said it's tough for him to kind of take this whole season too seriously. And add to that, the NHL playoffs have been on. So that's pretty much where his focus has been. <laughs> I, my favorite thing about Canerico is he gives like a five minute explanation about like why this like thing doesn't vibe with him and totally is like a against all his principles of what he valued as a player. And then he'll end it with like, but I guess that's the way things are these days. Whatever. <laughs> I love talking to if you ever I remember during his plague days, like if you would come up to him, he'd be like, Ah, oh, I gotta I gotta go hit. And I'd be like, Well, I wanna ask a hockey question. He'll be like, All right, I've got forty minutes. <laughs> you know, one time I asked him once, it was during the um, it was I was there for spring training and it was when the Blackhawks were making their Stanley Cup run. So that would have been 2010. And we'd start, you know, I was asking him like kind of about what it's like to be in the playoffs and like going through a playoff run and compared to 05. And we do this long conversation, very thoughtful. And then at the end, I turn my recorder off and he's like, whatever they got to they got to get rid of that goalie. They got to start the backup. This guy, like whoever it was, it was like Auntie Niemi or something. He's like, you can't play. <laughs> and I'm like, of course, you end up being like, you know, a, a rock in the postseason in the Stanley Cup playoffs. Uh, when I talked to him for the 2000 brawl story, we talked for like a half hour. And then for the final 10 minutes, uh, Sox PR guy, uh, Bob Bechtel jumped on and they just reminisced about random fights from the 80s that Canerico loved for another 10 minutes. Oh, that's great. He's the best. I had such a good conversation with him. him and, I mean, talking to him and AJ on the phone is like a treat. Except AJ went off the record a lot, but <laughs> tell me what he really thinks. <laughs> it's gotten a lot better at uh, at measuring his words now that he's a professional, unlike, say, maybe Ozzy. Um, let's talk about something else, though, more current. The one good thing, I think, for White Sox fans right now on White Sox Twitter, basically the only thing White Sox Twitter has to like hold, you know, hold on to is Garrett Crochet throwing, um, throwing gonna, 100 I miles an hour. I was going to say Jake Berger going to instructional league, but I forgot this. We I actually cover the major leagues now. But yes, crochet yeah. <laughs> um, has looked good. Um, I didn't. Everyone else went like Gaga over his outing Tuesday night, and I was a little bit more like, okay, this guy throws very hard. That's very cute. Um, yes, right. it's getting him out of out, out of innings right now, but he threw three pitches to the backstop. <laughs> um, <laughs> he threw like Pur- one non fastball. Um, like I got a message <laughs> after that. Like, you think he pitches in the rotation next season? I was like, "Good lord, man!" <laughs> but last, la- I thought last night was really like, okay, I see it now. He he threw like this ninety three mile an hour changeup, which uh, you know, obviously firm for a changeup, but got got people to swing over. It had a little bit of sink to it. He threw a slider for a strike. He. It was his first like back to back outing, so I don't think he t- like he was ninety nine hundred. It's not like his arm fell off, but I don't think he had like one hundred two in there. So he did a lot more the pitching, and um, it, it was uh, it was a lot more of a testament to what 
the scouts who talked about, you know, putting themselves in the line of him for the 11th overall pick were, were saying, like, if he was just a, a left-hander who threw the ball, like, through the back of the wall, like, that would be, you know, yes, fun, but that wouldn't be necessarily what you'd, you know, center the franchise's draft around. I thought you saw a lot more of that the other night um, with him kind of, you know, he faced Jordan Luplo, which, uh, you know, didn't go well for another lefty uh, on the White Sox roster. But oh. he, he really kind of prepared for the fact that he was facing the slate of righties. And and you really saw him pitch a lot more. Um, he really has that, um, that short arm action that, uh, that Giolito has. I don't know if necessarily every pitcher in the world should just do everything that Giolito does, uh, as much as there's core velocity belts all over the Sox complex now. But um, it, I, I thought it was a lot more interesting of seeing his full arsenal um, the other night. And more encouraging. I don't know if that you know that doesn't equal to he's going to be able to command for seven innings now. But um, I, I'm definitely way more in on the yeah, put him on the playoff roster. He's got stuff and he oh, yeah. uh, knows how to use it than I was when he was just like throwing extremely hard against bad offenses and not getting hurt. Right. I mean, he's got to be on the playoff roster. I mean, I don't, there's, I don't see any way you don't do that. What do you think about uh, Ricky throwing Gio Gonzalez there at the end? Um. I mean that's that's where I'd go with um if they have Bummer and Marshall, they probably win the game. Um but I, I there's there I'm okay with it. Um I think the the probably the point is that Gio Gonzalez when he's down three oh to the um the lefty masher probably can't um throw a get me over fastball. But he Alex Colomay um had back spasms and so they weren't gonna push him more than inning. And I know the logic would be that you just put your closer. You can't assume that there's going to be a 10th inning and you put your closer in right away. But knowing that Cleveland's offense is bad, knowing that you have so many limited options in the uh, bullpen that Matt Foster hasn't quite looked super sharp his last three times out. And he had pitched the night before. You had just used Cody Hoer back to back. You don't have any irregular setup men. It's not like anyone would be excited to see them put Jimmy Cordero out there again. I, I certainly get the point of just trying to get away with putting Gio Gonzalez against the bottom of a really bad order. And with the idea that um, you're going to face the top of their order, which is actually you know potent and has maybe the AL MVP in it, and saving having Alex Colomay if he can only give you one inning for that. It's not a great choice, um, but he doesn't really have great choices available to him in the bullpen. It's extremely taxed at the moment. And it, it's, it's a testament to the old adage that you know a bad bullpen can – a good bullpen makes every manager look very smart and look like they're making good decisions because they can't really press the wrong button. But that's not the situation he's in right now. He's kind of desperately switching things around. And, you know, pretty much any crack has everyone say, like, well, why did he do that? Why did he expose this guy? And it's it's just a dearth of um, of good options at this point. All right. Well, let's wrap it up with, you know, probably the question that's vexing. I don't think I know if I would say it's vexing because it's kind of expected, but or it would have been expected to hit a rookie wall. What, what's going on with Luis Robert and how the heck can they get them out of this? Him out. Of this? I don't know. I mean, certainly an off season would be great <laughs> for that. Right. Or the fact if he just had like three more months to get out of it. Right. Um, but um, I mean, I thought Luis Robert articulated it well, which is that he got so um, far into just a uh, constant breaking ball mode that when the approach switched on him, it kind of threw him off. But uh, and now at this point that, that doesn't sound like for someone who's been touted for making quick adjustments his entire career, it doesn't sound like it's something that should throw him off for a month, but it really seems like it has. And 
I don't know if he's ever gone through a process of being in between um, as long as this is. And at this point, I feel like it's a little bit self-perpetuating with how tentative he looks and how how much he's just trying to force himself to work counts. Like he's running deeper counts than he ever did when he was going going well. And I don't necessarily as much as that should be encouraging to see him take pitches or not. It doesn't actually look like it's comfortable for him. It looks like he's trying to find his way through things. And I just don't think he's. And it, I, it's an argument that was touted for Gordon Beckham about like he never struggled and he doesn't know how to handle it. But uh, that's that's certainly the reason that Luis Robert never struggled wasn't because they kept him to the minors for not not long enough. Um, it's just he was always too talented to ever go through a process like this. And I, I feel like a you know dealing with a lack of confidence at the plate is not really something he's had to navigate for such a prolonged stretch right now. And as much as, and it sounds like he's going to get a day off and as much as that's usually the remedy, um, you know, giving him a day off, basically like there's not a stabilizing backup you can put it out there. Like as, as bad as he's been, I wouldn't necessarily say Nomar Mazzara with Adam Engel in center is going to give you better production and obviously has a lot less ceiling for how it looks if it starts going right. So I get their commitment to just playing him because they feel like reps and experience are what what he's going to get out of it. But um, I also understand the push of like, look, he's just lost. You have to sit him. You have to give him a mental break because this is going so poorly. But they don't have, whereas I would be an advocate of just sit Mazar. This is not working. Play angle. You'll get better defense anyway, even if he gets exposed. There's not really like a better option for for Luis Robert. Like if you play Engel and Mazzara at the same time, those guys are both going to get exposed. If you play Gerard Dyson, there's really no <laughs> hope for meaningful offensive output there. So he's kind of your guy you just have to ride through him with. And, you know, you have the, the hitting coach that he did so well with in AAA on hand, and, and Robert's expressed a lot of faith in him. Um I, I, I don't know. Like it, it wouldn't be absurd in a normal year for a guy to just have an awful month and slump and then find his way and still have a good season. But they kind of need it to, to end within the next week. And maybe part of that pressure is only perpetuating this further. All right. Well, I guess we'll see what happens next time. I think you and I podcast will, uh, we'll be aware of the playoff picture. Um, which starts in next week. It should be pretty interesting. Hopefully the White Sox at least stay at home. <laughs> don't, don't keep losing. I don't know if they, they can move to the fifth seat or not. But uh, we will talk a little bit later and kind of figure out where they are. James, have a good time uh, finishing up in Cleveland. Go see your sister's artwork uh, if you want to give that a plug, and then we'll sign off. Yeah, I uh- She's at the. I mean, I don't know if anybody will be coming to Cleveland to come see her at the Spaces Gallery, but uh, you know, feel free. You have to schedule an appointment. Does she have a? She doesn't. She doesn't have any exhibitions in Chicago right now. Um, I don't think so. Um, not your good a, brother. She, well, she's not in Chicago at the moment. She's in North Carolina. Uh, oh, okay. She's been going back and forth. So got it. But it's her hometown she's she's kind of got like a, a michael jordan dynamic going on right now she went the opposite split, splitting her time okay all right anyway james is going to an art gallery later um and then back for cub socks so she should be kind of a weird exciting uh final series so then thanks the, for then the new york for the wild card series right <laughs> we're putting james on a bus uh should be healthy all right thanks for joining us everyone uh please 
subscribe, you know, rate us highly, tell your friends, do something, uh, help out the White Sox business podcast because we would like business to continue being good even when the White Sox can't win. Thanks a lot.